<laughs> morning, everyone. Everybody wake up on time this morning? Looks like it. We made it here. You got the in-ears on? Can't hear anything. You're unplugged. Yep, you're right. Ah, there you go. Technological problems here. All right, well, let's, um, anybody got any uh, joys to share this morning? All right. Praise the Lord, right? We got, uh, got the green tie going on. St. Paddy's Day. Got a little Irish in you, Chris? Yeah. All right, cool. All right, Chris. <laughs> All right, let's worship the Lord. Everybody, let's get on up.
above you there's no other above you there's no other and we declare your name is power exalted one your name is i am you stand alone a strong defender above you there's no other 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 our god a mighty warrior you're a consuming fire in victory you reign we triumph in your name jesus the great commander you conquer death forever this. I want to hear you sing nice and loud. Sing it up to the Lord today. Your 
There are probably 20,000, 100,000 reasons that we can praise you. And God, may, may we just stop the world around us right now and just focus on a couple of those things to give you the praise that you are so due. Um, during our time here today, God, just um, an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, just seems so small in comparison to everything that you have given to us and the time that you have given us and that the love that you have for us. But God, during this time, let's just set everything else aside. Focus on what you have to speak to us and what we have to give to you. Worship is about us giving from ourselves to you. Um, just a small portion of the worth that we feel for you. And so, God, as we are here together in this building or as we watch uh, and participate in church online, we are your people and, um, and we're all flawed. That's why we're doing this relationship series. Um, but, God, we thank you that we, have, we serve a Savior and we have a Father in heaven who loves us so much. 
And for that, God, we give you praise in all things. Holy Spirit, come into this place and minister to our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, everyone. For everyone else, um, our children can go to Shoreline Sunday School Ministry. Everybody else, say hello to someone around you. You got the, you got. All right, everyone. How you doing? Good. Let's try it again. How you doing? Good. Good stuff. Good to see everyone here today. I'm going to get a, an announcement that, um, uh, in our, that's not in your bulletin, I don't see, um, but it is, here we go, um, it is Footprints, our Footprints team. We're looking for new members of our Footprints team. You say, what is that? Um, the Footprints team is a way to find and spread the good news of Jesus Christ in our community, region, and the world. It also is to draw people into our Haven family, recognizing that, or, that um, a Christian without a church is an orphan. Um, and so, um, and to provide a visible example of the community and Christ's love and compassion. So Footprints Team's members get involved in visitors welcoming um, as a follow-up in the community evangelism efforts. And if you have a heart to serve in this capacity and desire to reach others, and if you're interested in getting involved with this mission, you can contact Joanne Edwards. Um, Joanne, with an E, Edwards, also has an E, um, but, uh, and it's 0107 at yahoo.com. And they're going to be having a meeting in April, so, um, so there'll be more information about that, okay? We want you to begin to think about those things. All right, for everyone else, I'm going to make this one, um, a, a couple of these announcements that we have here. Number one, welcome. We're glad that everyone is here today, and we're glad that you're part of the worship. We want to worship our church online um, service, and so everybody say hi to church online. All right, there you go. You got a big high today. There we go. So, um, and um, again, information, if you'd like to know more about Haven and membership, you can see that in May. Next Sunday, we are celebrating our 10th anniversary, and we recognize that 10 years, so Haven is a decade old. And with that, with uh, Haven being a decade old, somebody wooed, okay? Um, And so by doing so, um, this is in here for the very last time. You need to hand this in today as you leave, um, and if you're interested. Um, it's a reservip, as they say, an RSVP. And so what we want you to do is if you are interested, what we're going to do is have our normal worship service, and then afterwards, let me check something. How many people like to eat? How many like to eat with other people? How many like to, I don't know, we'll stop while we're ahead. Okay, so, um, but anyway, if you, we're going to have our Worship celebration here, and then we're going to continue with a celebration and a meal at the uh, fire hall in Northeast. And so you can go ahead, if you would, fill this out, 
um, and um, make sure we get it today. You can drop it in the plate or what have you, and we'll make sure that you get that or, um, and get that somebody because we love to have people celebrate with us 10 years because that is um, one of the things that we do recognize. I've said it before, but many new church starts fail within the first year, and others, uh, 80% or so, fail within the first four years. So um, for us to be here 10 years later... Um, it's pretty amazing. It's an act of God. All right. Um, also, guess what? Easter's coming. Are you guys getting candy or whatever? Um, but the Easter's coming, and um, so what we want to do? We recognize that some people want love to leave uh, lilies in honor of um, a memory of individuals. Um, and if you want to do so, you can do that. This Easter lily form is here. It's also online. Is that correct? Is it online? So you can do, do that both ways. And I believe online you can pay as well, right? Okay, so there we're good. That's the important part, okay? Um, other things that we have here, uh, last chance to share your feedback. In preparation for our um, service, we like to do this every once in a while. And for our anniversary, it seemed like a good time to do that. Uh, many of you may re- have received a mailed-out um, survey we love for you to fill that out. We also have hard copies here today if you'd like to fill it out, the paper form. Um, if not, those need to be due by Tuesday, the latest, um, in order to tabulate and have all that information. We love to hear from people as well. Um, any parking volunteers? Uh, excuse me, painting volunteers. I'm like, where are we parking? It's that old eyes, right? One of these things. Painting volunteers next Saturday on uh, St. Patrick's Day. Chris is ready for St. Patrick's Day, as you can see here. But um, they're going to paint in the morning, um, 10 a.m., right, right? 10 a.m. Um, Keith, right here, you meet at the church, and you just have to be ready to paint and spruce some stuff up. Parish Foundation fundraiser is the 24th. Mike, you still have some tickets? Yeah, Mike, Mike has about five left, so if you want to go ahead. Um, if he runs out, which would be awesome, um, you can also see the, uh, some other information. It will be at the Elkton Moose Lodge on um, the 24th from 7 to 11. Uh, Holy Week uh, services, that you can see the information that are there, um, are Passion slash Palm Sunday, March 25th. Um, March 30th, we'll have our annual Good Friday service. If you never had an opportunity to be here, it's a great time to just stop the world on Good Friday and recognize the Lord. And then April Fool's Day, April 1st, is our Easter celebrations. We will have both of those, 8.15 and 10.15. So we switch the time a little bit to make sure that people have options and also we can get everyone in here, all right? Um, and I talked about footprints um, and prayer for Stephen Ministry. Please lift that up. Uh, and Paris Foundation Dinner we are serving on March the 18th, and because it is next week and is the same time as our um, celebration, they're going to get uh, pizza from Pat's. So if you'd like to de- um, donate to that, please feel free to do so. All right? Um, prayers, prayer time. Um, uh, let me look here uh, real quick. Uh, yeah. Oh, yes, Miriam's table. Where is that? Okay, Miriam's table. We collected just under $2,000 in order to go help Miriam's table. And I thank you all through the bread boxes or, or the love loaves. And that is great. So conti- thank you for continu- continued good work that we have there. Um, we also want to lift up in prayer. Um, Shelly Bamba has a praise after two weeks in the hospital. Vince's dad, Jim, came home and is being treated for an infection in his back. And prayers conti- for continued healing to all who um, reached out um, 
that he may know Christ's love through us. So thank you for prayers for, for Jim Bamba. Um, also, prayers for um, Chris King and her family. You know that Daryl passed away this year, um, but her former son-in-law, Kevin, um, died very suddenly this week. Um, and so um, was Melanie's um, ex-husband, so please lift him in your prayers. Uh, very sad, and um, so uh, we want to lift that family up in your prayers. Um, anyone else to lift up in prayer at this time? All right. Okay, I challenge you to go ahead. If you remember them, fill, fill those out, and then also you can send them in online, and I know Debbie will um, make sure that gets out um, in the prayer list. If you would like to be a part of the prayer list, please feel free to join in that. All right, let's go to Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you today, um, once again, just uh, so grateful for all that you do for us and for just your, um, your presence with us. God, there is a mixture in our hearts of um, sometimes just the joys that we have balanced off by the uh, pain and the sorrow that we experience in, through different situations. Whatever it may be, God, we just come to you during this time now asking you to do just some mighty things in our hearts. God, transform us, number one. Um, we recognize that um, when everybody else is not perfect, that, that um, we forget that neither are we. And so, God, if we, um, if there's, as the Spirit, as the Scripture says, just search me and see if there's any offensive way in me. And so, God, um, just guide us and direct us, um, just to have us be the church you would want us to be, have us be the the, the Christians that you would have us be. Um, God, in in this world there is trouble. You promised us that that would happen. Um, but you have given us another promise that says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so during this time, we just need some overcoming. We need some overcoming. We thank you for overcoming for, for um, Jim Bamba as he's in the process of healing from the infection. For others, um, for a family that's already dealt with death just a little bit ago, um, I just pray that you will um, be with Kevin's family and his, uh, his friends and just um, God just just. Just when there's things that don't make sense, uh, just, just bring your peace to the situation. For any other prayers that, and joys that we may have in the midst of this room or uh, for those watching, God, I just pray that um, we'll recognize that you are the answer, that in you we have peace. When everything else seems to be in turmoil, with you we have peace. So throughout the remainder of this time today, we, uh, we give to you. And we start that and further that in this process, of which is a continued act of worship, where we give back in your tithe and our offerings. We receive so many blessings from you, and we're so grateful that we may be able to give back and do that to others. To our sister church in Haiti, we've been able to transform lives down there just by being servants of you and hearing your call and answering. To those in our community who deal with addiction and, um, and deal with struggles and um, those who, who deal with all kinds of other financial issues because of the giving of your people, we have been able to meet the needs that you have called us to. So, Lord, during the rest of this time together, um, send your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these gifts. Multiply them here and around the world that many will know who Je that Jesus Christ is Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Letting go of every single dream I laid one down at your feet Every moment of my wandering Never changes what you see 
scripture reading is from James chapter 4 verses 1 and 2. Submit yourselves to God. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have so you kill. You covet but cannot get what you want so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God.
All right, I figured I'd mix it up a little bit this week. So, um, you were getting used to watching the other ones. Um, unusual relationships, right? Uh, who knew that a cat liked to massage a goat? I don't know, but it works. Um, good to have everybody here today once again, but we are continuing in our series called Unusual. It is a series on relationships, and we have spent the last several weeks talking about relationships because great relationships are possible, but rarely are they probable. Um, We find out that many times we have the possibility for great relationships, but often you see that they're kind of like warped in some other way. Um, Anybody been part of a warped relationship? Okay, if you don't raise your hand, if I ask the person next to you that is in a relationship with you, they may say yes. Um, But what we find out is in this series, what we want to do, we've been using this main uh, verse from Scripture. Let's see where it is here. If you'll see it on Romans chapter 12. And here's what it says. Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God do what? Transform you. Transform you. Let God transform you into a new person. To a new person by changing the way you do what? Think. As we our first series this year, we talked about how any kind of action, anything that we do, first is process and change in our mind. Any kind of transformation occurs in our minds first. And then you will be able to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. And we've been saying in all of our relationships, how many of us would love to have good pleasing, and perfect relationships. How many of us would love to have a good, pleasing, perfect relationship with our parents? How many of us would love to have a good, pleasing, and perfect relationship with our children? How many of us would love to have a good and pleasing, perfect relationship with our spouse? And how many of us tomorrow morning would love to have a good, pleasing, perfect relationship with our boss? Right? It would change the way we exist. It would change the way we feel in many different ways. And so over the weeks, we spent time in trying to show that the usual way of doing things is one way, and it's wrong, but it's what we're used to. And then there is an unusual way. So the week one, we started talking about unusual love and how we can have that unconditional agape love that God speaks about. In week two, we talked about unusual commitment where we talked about that we are in a covenant relationship, not a contractual um, agreement and relationship. In week three, which was last week, we talked about unusual communication. And we talked about how we communicate or how we don't communicate. And so today, and I challenge you, if you missed any of these, by all means, go back um, online. They're there. Um, If you really like to search through Facebook, you can go um, look on a Facebook page and check that out. Or you can download the app, and they're all on there as well. Um, But today we are going to talk about unusual conflict. Conflict. The bottom line is we are all going to have conflict. Every single one of us. Um, if you ask the old married couples, are you going to have conflict? I think they're having conflict now. They're afraid to raise, uh, to shake their heads. But uh, many of us are going to have conflict. Some of the newlyweds say, no, we're not going to have conflict. We just love each other, and it's going to get, love will cover everything. Yeah, right. Um, you are going to have conflict. You need to learn how to deal with that. I love the quote that if you see on the front of the bulletin by President Ronald Reagan when he said, peace is not the absence of conflict. It is the ability to hand com- handle conflict by peaceable means. And so that's what we want to do, and that's very godly in this, uh, this era. Some, uh, sometime one person once told, um, I've heard this said several times, um, that marriage is like a deck of cards. It begins with two hearts and a diamond. 
and by the end of it, you want a spade and a club. So um, that may be where your marriage is right now, um, so you're here for the right point today. But the fact is, conflict is inevitable no matter what we do. It's an area, though, that God wants to transform us in. And so we, I'm going to spend today, first, like we've been doing the other ones, I'm going to start with some causes of, um, that we cause conflict. We're going to move on to how we usually react to those, uh, and then we're going to talk about God's way of doing that. Does that sound good? That's what I got, so if it doesn't, sorry. Okay, here we go. The first thing that causes conflict in our lives, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because we spent all last week, is poor communication. Poor communication. If you want to know more about that, by all means, check out last week. But most conflict is small. Most of our conflicts are over small little tiny things, but our words tend to dump gasoline on the fire of conflict. Like, you know, you may go ahead and you just, something may have been done or not done, and then somebody says something. And then before you know it, somebody else says something else. And this little conflict then becomes major and major. It, we learned in the scripture that that the tongue has the power of life and death. Last week we talked about how that is, it's either salvation or damnation. It is powerful in those things. And many of us have become very loose with our tongues. We've become very um, free with the way we say things to people. And even to people that we don't even know, we just kind of throw things out that are extremely hurtful. It's like a man said to his wife one time, he looked at her and he said, how can you be so beautiful and stupid at the same time? Oh, I see what you said. I see you guys got a reaction. And she said, well, give me a second and let me explain to that. God made me so beautiful so you would be attracted to me. And he made me so stupid so I would be attracted to you. <laughs> All right? So you're going to lose that fight no matter what, men. So you might as well give up on that, okay? Um, look at what it says. This should be a prayer we pray every day when we, walk, when, we, when we wake up. Psalm 141 says this. Set a guard over my mouth. Well, I could preach that and we'd be done, right? Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Now, I want to stop there real quick and see that all these things that you see today begin with God, not the person. So it says, oh God, put a guard over my mouth. How many of you can think of one time or maybe a hundred times in your life that you wish God set a guard over your mouth? And then keep watch over the door of my lips. You know, a door has a hinge on it. That means you can keep it shut if you want to. But you can open it up if, if you, uh, a lot of us have open door policy when it comes to our mouths, and we need God to go ahead and respond to that. But look at this, and this is something I want you to see throughout the whole message today, that all these conflict things and the resolution in this always begin with God, the proper means, okay? Number two, frustrated expectations are another source of conflict. How many of you were ever promised the world if you went to another job and you found out none of that worked out? Okay, um, how many of you had somebody promise you the world and they gave you nothing, gave you a monopoly piece, okay? Uh, so many of these things, these expectations that we have. And I will tell you, this is where every single ounce of anger begins. I'm gonna say that again. Every sense of anger begins with frustrated expectations or things that weren't fulfilled that we thought were gonna be fulfilled. In Proverbs, it tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. We want something and we don't get it. And we, we end up having a hardened heart. How many of you ever had a, a little kid that you've ever seen them? They want something, they want something, they ask for it, and then they go, hmm, hmm. 
Many of us in our conflicts in life are because we want something, we go, hmm. I asked God, hmm. I told God I wanted it, hmm. How come I don't have it? How come they have it? Eh, right? We do this time and time and time again. Our verse today that was read for us, James chapter 4. James has a lot to say about this, and it says this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires and battle within you? Notice that James does not say it comes from the stuff outside and when people don't do things. It says the, the conflict comes from the, the desire of unfulfilled stuff within you. You want something, but you don't get it. And then you go through the wrong methods to get it. You kill and you covet, but you cannot have what you want. And so then you do what? You quarrel and fight over it. You want it, but you don't get it. And and this verse goes on to say, um, you don't have because you did not ask God for it in the right manner. You see, the problem is we expect to get something from others that only God can give. We expect to have our happiness in someone that is going to let us down. They're going to. You're going to get let down. We put too much pressure in individuals wanting them to bring the happiness to our life that only God can give and bring himself. So that's number two. Number three, we are disgusted at differences. I want to take you back, those of you who have long-time relationships, I want to take you back to the early stages where you recognized that you were different and it was cute. Remember that? Oh, isn't that cute? He's just different. I react this way and he reacts that way. She reacts, she does this and I just laugh at it. I think it's funny. And the problem is over time, those, you know, that whole kind of thing, you complete me. You complete me. And then what begins to happen is the you part of completing me, you can't stand anymore. You don't like the differences. You want them to be, you don't understand why they can't think the way you do. For instance, when it's hot, they think it's cold. And they'll turn up the thermostat to burn you out to figure that way. Amen? Guys, right? Okay, yeah. Um, So, and you're sweating to death and wondering, it's freezing here. No, it's not. Or what about uh, things like you may be a spender. And she may be a saver, all right? Or what about that you want to go to bed with the TV on and she wants it off, right? That was, I hear some laughter here, okay? That was cute at first. It was very cute. Like, when I love to sleep with the TV on. Matter of fact, before I had LASIK surgery, I used to sleep with my glasses on just in case I woke up in the middle of the night and something was on I wanted to watch. And no joke, Melissa hates the television on. She wants it completely dark. She would sleep in the back corner of a cave if she could. Now, here's the interesting thing. When we were younger, it was like, okay, no problem. I'll just roll over here. Now it's like, turn that thing off, okay? And I'm like, well, fine. I'll just go sleep on the couch and watch TV, right? We do those things because those things that were cute at once are not anymore. And so what happens is we get disgusted at the differences that we have in, in life. I, I want to say this as well, is that what, we need to look at our world, in particular our country, um, in, this, in this area. You know, when we look at history, our, our, our world, and particularly our government, was built off the fact that we have differences. But in differences, we can come to commonality. 
Abraham Lincoln was so intelligent. I've asked um, history professors, and unanimously, history professors say Abraham Lincoln was the best president time and time again. And Abraham Lincoln was so savvy and recognized that um, the, the strength and differences in the fact that he actually appointed people to his cabinet from the opposite party, even people who had beat, ran against him, so that he would hear a different side. He didn't want a bunch of yes people shaking their head at him, but he saw the value in others hearing that. It's, we now end up in a world, not only in politics, but in all kinds of things, that when you don't agree with me, I completely write you off in my life. And I think that's very dangerous in life when we get very polarized. It's like having a, a football team where everybody on, on the starting team weighs 375 pounds. You imagine having a 375-pound um, wide receiver? Okay, chances are you're going to do like a lot of two and out patterns, right? But we recognize that the skill, we need the big guys up front to block. We need the fast guy in the background to run. We need the quarterback who has the arm to throw. And so it takes a lot of different people to bring a successful team. And by the way, in case you didn't hear, the Eagles are the Super Bowl champions. I just thought I'd say that. All right, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay. Look at what it says in Mark chapter 3. In Mark chapter 3, it says, If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. I appreciate the fact that my wife is not like me. I appreciate that she is different than me. Not all the time do I like say, Hallelujah, I'm so glad you're different from me. But it always keeps me honest and always keeps me wondering why I think. I can't expect someone else to change. We always, we always pray, God, change them. Get, fix that person, God. Come on, what's wrong? Fix that person. What's wrong with them? And God says, how about if I just change and transform you? And we'll start there. The last one is something that I think we all can embrace is our sin nature. And this is the main thing. If I didn't mention any of the other ones, it would be the sin nature. We can't expect people to be perfect because none of us are perfect. We are all messed up. Look at the person next to you and say, you're messed up. And so am I. And so am I. You see, it's interesting. It's interesting that no matter how messed up we are, that we want grace from God, where when we mess up, we go to God and we say, oh, Lord, please, you forgive me. You know, I'm just human. I'm, uh, God, please, I'm so sorry. You know that I'm, I'm a, I'm, I've just fallen. And then when somebody else does something to us, we go ahead and say, that jerk, I'm never going to forgive them, right? That's how we exist. We want grace, but we don't want to extend it. We say, forgive me, but we hold unforgiveness toward others. In Romans chapter 3, it reminds us of this. For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. You know, many of many, you, you may have come today and said, oh, wow, unusual conflict. Great, I'm going to find out all the skills that I need to do to fix that person and to get them to change. But today, I truly, truly believe that God wants to transform something in all of us. And so that, that changed the situation by transforming us. You see, when the circumstances around us, the circumstances don't fully change. The stuff around us don't change unless we have a transformation inside from the conflict that's really going on within us. What we see on the outside is only a bit of what's going on on the inside. So you may say, okay, Jack, then how do we deal with conflict? Well, we deal with conflict in several different ways. And I'm going to give you several of those, and you're going to recognize these. Number one is... What I call the Sinatra, my way. I did it my way. Frank Sinatra, I'm right. I'm the husband. I'm the father. I'm the breadwinner. It's my way. Got it? I'm the boss. It's my way. Darn right. 
or the highway. <laughs> submit, 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 right? And that's how we live that, that realm. Or what about the second one, which I call the Burger King, your way. You want it your way. So there's some of you that are in relationships that you just, you know it's wrong, but that person is a my way person, so you just allow it to go, and by being, okay, your way to keep the peace, but meanwhile, there's nothing peaceful in your own life. Your life is complete turmoil because anything but peaceful is around you because it is constantly, you're constantly living in fear and frustration. Or many of you may say, this gets a little bit better, and many of you may think this is the right way, halfway. Okay, I almost called it the Kenny Loggins for those of you who watched Meet Me Halfway. Okay, sorry. Um, way to go, Wayne. Wayne got it. All right. Um, this way you think it's closer when you say, okay, well, you got it your time. Okay, I'll give it up. You can go. You get your choice this time. But really, that just ticks you off half the time. So you're still mad half the time. You're happy half the time. And then they're mad half the time. So it still is, you still have conflict. You see what I mean? And the last one that we want to talk about and we're going to spend today talking about, and I hope that you understand that this is what I want to try to share with you every single week, is God's way. Let's try to do God's way. To present this every week, that God, going to God it first is interesting. It's interesting. I do a, um, a devotion with several other um, men that I send out through. Um, we send out through the Bible app. And it was really fascinating to me that this morning, the, the scripture verse, usually you have a devotional, you have a scripture verse, and then you can write some stuff. And um, today, this, the, the verse was, in the beginning, God. And I thought it was very fascinating when I came to this part here, because I had written down in my notes, um, go to God first. Go to God first. You know, it's, we, we forget that, you know, often we're good with the, um, the omega part, that God is the end. You know, like when we're in trouble, we go to God in the end. Oh, God, hey, help me out in this thing. But we forget that God is the alpha as well, that we need to go to God first. In the beginning is God. If we go to the, in the beginning to God, then at the end it's going to be good, all right? So just something I wanted to share. Um, we need to go to God first. Have him do a work in me before he does a work in the relationships that I have. And so what I've, what I've seen several times in years of counseling and talking with people is there are times when they come in and there's all this kind of stuff back and forth, back and forth. And I say, okay, let's put the issues aside and let's take a week and see and really commit to seeing how close we can get to God. And you find out that whether it's friendship or whether it's rela uh, marriage relationship or whether it's parent and children, that a lot of times if people make that commitment fully to get closer to God, some of the issues tend to go by the wayside when, they, when God begins to do a work in them. And so look what it says here in the book of Ecclesiastes. In the book of Ecclesiastes, some of you may know this verse from the 1960s or just from a song um, from a group called The Birds. They wrote a song called Turn, 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 but they actually just stole the words from Scripture um, and put it to a good message. And here's what it reminds us. It says that there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. And then it goes through a list of a several different things of times for. I often use that in funeral services to remind people of the timing of life. In verse 5, though, it says this, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. Now, many of us may not fully know what that means, so I'm going to share that with you. The poetry of the Bible here is sharing a choice uh, or a response to scatter stones. Throughout the Scripture, one of the penalties for crime was stoning. And you would take 
you would get you would grab a stone and you would throw at them. Stephen, the first recorded Christian martyr in the Bible, was stoned. For those of you, don't put that in today's context. It means something completely different than it did then. And so they threw rocks at him and killed him. That's the stoning we're talking about. Now, that was a form of death back then. It was a form that when you had a problem with someone, what would you do? You would throw rocks at them and kill them. There's also another thing in here that says this. It says there is a time to gather them. And gathering stones, any time in the scripture where they talked about gathering stones, it meant making an altar. Okay? It meant making an altar. And every time that you see making of an altar, it is a place where somebody puts something to death and gives glory to God. Okay? And often it's done as a means of relationship. And so something that's not in your bulletin because I didn't have enough space and I didn't want to take up the time is a story. But I challenge you to look at it again. It begins around Genesis 28 and 29. And it's the story of a guy named Jacob. Um, Jacob had a brother named Esau. They had this conflict. He took off, went to his mama's um, home area. And he was there working for a guy named Laban, who was a relative. And as he was there working for Laban, he liked the looks of his youngest daughter. Her name was Rachel. And he went to Laban and he said, hey, I want to marry her. What do I have to do to marry her? And Laban says, well, you work for me for seven years. Then I'll give my daughter to you in marriage. All right. So he does that. They have a big wedding. Um, in in the tradition, it was a a multi-day feast and party and everything else. And that night, um, he went and laid with his wife. And then the next thing you find out in the morning, he wakes up and he says, whoops, it isn't Rachel. There's a whole other story about that too. So, but just, you know, word of God, you want to say Jerry, Jerry, okay? Um, So Jerry Springer for you guys. Okay. So what happens here is he's, he's like, well, I wanted Rachel, not Leah. And what the scripture tells us is that Rachel was a little bit better on the eyes than Leah. So he goes to Laban, he's upset, and she says, well, see, in our culture, you can't marry the second one. The first one has to be married off first. He said, all right, what do I have to do now? He said, you got to work for me for seven more years. And he says, all right, that sounds like a deal. Okay, so Rachel must have been really fine. So he said, all right, I'm going to go ahead and work seven more years. And he does that, seven more years, he gets married. And then he says, hey, I want to go on my own. They say, no, no, stick around, stick around. And so Laban is benefiting from Jacob being there. His, his, monetary, his money is going more. He's getting, he's getting blessed more and more. And he keeps making this situation. Meanwhile, Jacob and he start to have this conflict. And Jacob's had enough. And Jacob says to his family, Let's get out of here. We're going to sneak out in the middle of the night. For those of you who are Baltimore Colts fans, they got in a Mayflower van and headed out of town. All right? And that's what he did. In the middle of the night, they took off. And when they took off, Laban heard about that. And he was none too happy. And there was some stuff that was missing, and he wasn't happy about those things either. So he went. And now Jacob hears he's coming. All right, Jacob hears that he's coming and they've already had this relationship. And meanwhile, God blessed Jacob more than he had Laban. And so he had more than what he had. He's taken his daughters. He's taken tons of his flocks. He snuck out in the middle of the night and Laban is not happy and neither is Jacob. He hears that Laban's coming. And at this point, he has a decision to make. He has a decision. He can fight or he can build an altar. And let's see what he does here. As we continue on, here's what he does in Genesis chapter 31, verse 46. And he said to his relatives, gather some stones. So they took stones and they piled them up in a heap. And anytime you see this regarding stones, it means they built an altar. 
and they ate there by the heap. You see, he had a choice. He could have said, get them stones ready for them suckers. Here they come. He could have reacted that way. And he might have been justified in the usual pattern of this world in doing so. But he had this encounter with God on the way and throughout his life that caused a transformation in his heart. And Jacob said, let's come together and figure this out. Let's come together. You see, before you resolve a relationship or conflict with someone else, God has to do a work in your life. God has to do a transformation in in you. In other words, you need a healing of the heart in here. And some of us in this room and some of us who are watching online today or in the sound of my voice are trapped in your conflict. You are so trapped in your conflict that you are saying, I will finally be fine when that person does blank, fill it in. Or I will get over this when that person does this. And what you're doing, you're leaving the whole responsibility of your happiness and peace in someone who can't even maybe find that for themselves. And so you're trapped in conflict and getting nowhere. You've given that person control of peace in your heart. I want to give you a big thought for today. Here it goes. Conflict ceases without my involvement. Let me say it again. Conflict stops when I don't get involved with it. There's no fight if I don't get involved with it. Have you ever tried to have an argument with somebody and they go, yeah, I don't care. You go, but wait a second. Don't you understand? So, yeah, okay, it's okay. I love you. You're like, what? We're supposed to fight. Come on, come on. And you'll, that's when you start using the other words and other things. There is no conflict when no one wants to fight. It would be like going to a boxing match, and all of a sudden you go to a boxing match, and they go ding, 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 and the person goes and walks down the aisle. And you're like, what happened? The person said, I, did I win? I, I, does it matter? Do you care? Hey, would anybody pay to see boxing if, you, if that happened? No, because we like conflict. It'd be like going to a football game and nobody's showing up on the other side. There is no conflict if I don't get involved. You see, as we look here, we need to let God do a work in me and let God change me. We need to let God transform me. And you may say, Jack, but you don't know the situation. No matter the situation, God can bring transformation. You see, the Bible is not about God being a spiritual Santa Claus where I just say, give to me and let me feel good and fix that person and do that. That's not the Bible. The Bible is Galatians chapter 2.20, which says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but he who lives in me. What does that mean? You see, every day I've got to get up and I've got to kill my wants and desires because in case you don't know, I'm going to tell you a secret here. The world ain't going to hand you what you want. And so you're going to be frustrated, and you're going to have conflict. It's not going to give my desires. I'm going to have unfulfilled expectations. And so why, when I'm crucified with Christ, does that matter? Because last time I checked, people who are dead don't get mad. People who are dead do not get jealous. People who are dead aren't selfish. Am I right? I have yet to see somebody at a funeral, when people are talking about them, go, I'm, I don't like what you wore today. How dare you bring, how dare you cry that tear for me? I've never, ever seen it. You know why? Because they're dead. And so what we need to do is we need to die to ourselves and live for Christ. It is no longer I who live, 
It's no longer I who what? Live, but Christ who lives in me. In other words, I have put to death this usual self, and I want to live unusually by the power of the Holy Spirit. You got that? That's good stuff. That's much better than what you're responding, okay? Just to let you know. And that's, that's from God. So what we see is it's not about you. It's not, it's not about that person. It's about me. It's about me stopping to throw the stones, and it's about me building an altar with those stones to die to self so I can live for Christ. Thank you. There we go. There is an eternal war that's going on in my heart that I want to throw stones when God wants to transform me to build an altar. And so there are four unusual responses that I want to share with you with our remaining time here today in order to bring reconciliation. And it may not bring reconciliation. Let me say that. It may not bring reconciliation, but here's the cool thing about it. If God does a transformation in me, I don't care what that person does. I'm free from that. Isn't it cool to be free from that conflict that you've had? There are people that live their whole entire lives bound by a conflict, and they're never, ever free because they're waiting for that person to do something. Why not just let God do something in you and be free from all this? So the first thing that we're going to do, I will act and not react. I will act and not react. In other words, what I'm saying here, I'm going to give you, I'm going to tell you something. You ready for this? Everybody hear this. This week, somebody will tick you off. Chances are when you pull out of here and try to get on Route 40, somebody will tick you off, right? Chances are if you go out to eat, there will be somebody who will make you mad. Chances, I guarantee you, you, something will happen at Walmart or some grocery store that will make you mad. Am I right? If not, hang with me for a week. Okay, so what's going to happen is you can be, expect to have conflict. Expect to have conflict. Don't wait till the conflict comes to go, oh, did you? oh, sorry, God, right? Don't wait for that. Don't wait for the conflict. If you know it's coming, get a plan of, react, of action so that you don't just react in the situation. And believe me, this is difficult, and I'm preaching to the mirror here today. Here's what we have. Don't wait for that conflict. You need to have pre-decisions ahead as you're facing. For those of you who are engaged or those of you who are, get, who are married, you need to recognize you are going to have a conflict with your, your significant other. You're going to have that. And you need to have some pre-fight rules that are there just in case when those things happen. Otherwise, you're going to react. And counselors say that is a great way and a great tool to have, that you know that there is going to be a disagreement. And so you say when that disagreement comes and you're looking at each other, particularly if it's your spouse, say, hey, you guess what? We're in this thing together. We're going to have to get friendly one time, so let's just start right now. We'll agree. We won't agree, but let's just figure it out and not get all emotional. Let's not give too much weight to it, right? Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to give you some of these. Ready? In your anger, do not sin doesn't mean that you can't get angry. It says just don't sin in that anger. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Now, I can tell you, there have been times in my life where Melissa and I have completely embraced this. And I'm telling you, if you want to go to sleep and you like sleep, nothing will resolve your conflict quicker. If you're saying we ain't going to bed till we get this sorted out, right? Because then you, if you go to bed without resolving that, you play the don't touch game, right? Like we were talking about last week Okay. If you say I, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna be angry in, until we're not going to bed until we get this taken care of. Then you're gonna go ahead and um, and you're gonna resolve it. You're gonna get to the point. 
Imagine if you solved every conflict before you went to bed. You see, when we don't do that, we do exactly what the scripture says, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anytime you hold on to that, you give the devil a foothold, and you save it up for your next battle. Anybody ever had those where you save it up, like, for the next battle? Um, and here's some other ones. I don't have any, You can write them down if you want to. I don't care. But never put it off. Solve it now. Deal with the problem right now. Um, something that, that I think many of us are probably guilty, don't call names. You dummy. I don't like your hair. You know, or, you know, whatever. Anybody got some good ones? I'm sure you do. Um, uh, so we don't try not to do that. I'm guilty of that. I am guilty of that at times. Um, this is another one I'm guilty of. Don't be loud. I've got a big mouth. I know you're shocked by that, but I have a big mouth. And when I get louder, I'm like, hey, hey. See, I already got your attention. Uh, See, I'm loud in my nature. I get louder and and more mouthy the more I go along and the angrier I get. Anybody with me? Anybody want to make me feel good, feel like I'm not alone here? Thank you. Hallelujah. There we go. All right. Never say, uh, I'm not singing Justin Bieber, but never say never and never say always. You never cared about me. You always say I'm the stuff. Because guess what? People are so inconsistent, they never are always anything. So why do we attribute you never or you always? Now, back to last week, your feelings may feel that way, but you can say, I feel that you rarely, but nobody never or always. So don't pull that out. And I'm going to say this, particularly those of you who are married, never take bailing out as an option in your relationship. Don't say I'm out of here. Don't threaten that I'm out of here. If you don't do this, I'm gone. Don't do that. Don't do that. If you look at each other and say, guess what? We are stuck together. And guess what? You're going to have to get used to looking to this face till the day you die. And I'm going to have to look at that face till the day you die. So it ain't an option. Let's figure this sucker out, right? When you do that, it makes a different playing field altogether. And when you do it the way God says in that way, you don't give Satan a stronghold. And anytime you give Satan a stronghold, there's sin. In other words, what we see here is um, we need to go ahead and embrace and have a plan of uh, action, not reaction. Number two, I will focus on the good stuff in others. This is incredibly hard for me. I do see a lot of good things in in people, but I am also someone who sees everything in in lots of people, and and I'm warped, and I pick out things that I probably should not. Anybody with me? How many of you like to people watch, like sit someplace and watch people? It is fascinating. We are we, there is no intelligent life down here. I will let you know that, including me. Um, and you look and you wonder what people do. Uh, it's fascinating. Um, but we need to focus on the good things in others. We need to make a decision to focus on the good. We all are messed up. We all have things that are flawed. I hate my love handles, all right? I got them right here. They're like two humps. I'm like a camel, okay? Um, and I love to get rid of them. But guess what? If every argument Melissa and I had said, nice humps there, camel boy, right? <laughs> Don't laugh, it ain't that funny, okay? But if every situation, that's what she brought out, knowing that I don't like that about me, and there's a long list she could use, that does no good. That just brings more of a widening gap and gives Satan a stronger foothold in our marriage and our relationship. You see, I gotta make a decision to look at the, at the good in life. You know, people... You know, in other words, there are times when you pull out here, uh, like last week, I don't think many of you were stuck in that traffic. We're going, thank God for all these people that I can minister to. Can you stop traffic so I can get out and go pray with every single one of them? Did anybody do that? No, you're like, I gotta get home, right? 
how dare all these people be out here? And you're yelling at government and everybody else, right? Because that deals with us, not them. See, when you're, when you're with people in those areas, why not use it as an opportunity that God is giving you something to minister to? I tell you, in 22 years of ministry, uh, there's been uh, numbers of people who have have given me the gray hair that's starting to flow into my hair at this moment and uh, more and more and more. And yet at times I'm like, God, really? And really this person, God, really? You know, and then God says, really, Jack, what about you? And I'm like, yeah. But then you know what I do? If I get up and I focus on the good stuff, I realize there's some awesome people that have some flaws. And guess what? I am an awesome person who has lots of flaws. All right? I don't mind saying I'm awesome. I like me. Okay? (laughs) I would probably get on my own nerves at one point, but anyway. So what I'm saying is, recognize that, that where you are right now is God has placed you in this area so that you can be a, a, a light and minister to people that are in your, in your world, in your community. That person who annoys you, that, that family member who drives you absolutely batty, that makes no sense, God placed you in that family to share the love of Christ with that. That person that is at work that has the biggest foul mouth and is the most disgusting person you've ever heard and seen, God placed you in their life to give them the light of Christ. That's an awesome responsibility that Christ has for you. Don't say that you don't have a testimony and a witness. You do your life. And Christ placed you in there, in that situation. Focus on the good stuff. Look at this from Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brothers, whatever is, and I, I, under, if you want to, go ahead and underline all the whatevers. Because look what it says. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. That person that drives you crazy, go ahead and and look at them and think to yourself, whatever. And think, whatever is true. Find out whatever is true in that person. Whatever is noble, whatever is pure, find it. You may have to search a long time, but find it and hold on to it. Find it and hold on to it. You know, the first 15 minutes that we shared about, 15, uh, five minutes to pray, five minutes to read your Bible, and five minutes to worship, they are great avenues. They're the three stones that everybody needs to start their day with as an altar. That you know you're going to have that start and build your altar early, early in the day. Choose to focus on the good stuff. Number three, I will extend God's grace to others. We want it. Give me God, give me good stuff, and punish that sucker over there. It's amazing how much grace we want from God, but how little we want to give. I challenge you, if you want to, look at, if you want to do a little extra credit this week, go ahead and look up Matthew chapter 18, toward the end of the section. And it talks about a parable of an unmerciful servant. There was a guy who owed, this very wealthy man owed him 20 years of, 20 years of salary. Think about your salary for 20 years. That's what this man owed this judge, this righteous person. He came, he threw himself on the mercy of the man and said, please, please, please let me go. Please, master, don't let me, don't let me deal with that. There's no way I can pay it back. Please. And the man had compassion on him and said, okay, I forgive you all your debt. 20 years. Imagine if you owed somebody 20 years of salary. The man went, this, Jesus tells us, and says, the man went outside and found somebody who owed him a day's wage. And he said, he, he came to him, he said, please, I'll pay you back, I'm sorry. And he said, no, throw him in jail. And when the man who had forgiven him 20 years of wages heard the story, he called him in and he said, you wicked, wicked servant. I forgave you this so much greater. And you wouldn't forgive even that much. But isn't that what we do every day? 
Isn't it what we do that when that we recognize that God has forgiven us of the sin that we have done, that we have, when we sin, the scripture tells us we crucify Christ to the cross. And he has forgiven you and me from that. And yet somebody, as we go out on the road, will cut us off a little bit, maybe, maybe innocently, maybe not, and all the anger and frustration we call the powers of heaven to burn them to hell with something very little. Is there something wrong here? And Jesus says to us, you wicked, wicked servant. It's very clear that we are, good, we are ready to go ahead and want grace, but not to receive it. In Romans chapter 12, it says this, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, here's what you're supposed to do. If your enemy is hungry, what are you supposed to do? Feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing this, you will, now we love this verse, don't we? Heat burning coals on her hand. We're like, there we go. That's more like it, God. Let me burn, baby, burn, right? Let's do that. But let me share with you what that means. They, people had to share burning coals to have fire because they didn't just have matches. In other words, this is, and then you will give them what they need. It's not a revenge thing. It is a, you will help supply more of their needs. You don't like it as much now, do you? Me neither. Right? And then you will give burning coals. Do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. You may say right now, as I said, as I was preparing for this service, I can't do it. There's no way, God. Come on, this is way too hard. I cannot do it. I can't do it. And I'm going to tell you what. You can't. That's why we need this last one. And when we do this last one, I'm going to tell you, when you do this last one, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit and God come right here. You see God acting in the supernatural, or let me say it in our language, in the unusual. And here's what happens. You have a transformation. I will remember God's grace to me. You see, when somebody wrongs me, and, and that happens a lot in life, I can stop my world around me and say, but God, you've been so awesome to me. And when I remember the grace that God has extended to me and all that he has done and does for me and my family and those that I love and, and even in the midst of tragedy, he is there. It makes me able to begin to give some of that to someone else. I'm going to just throw this, as the worship team comes up, I just want to throw this one section up here from this verse. If you can go ahead and pull that verse up here real quick. And it's the bottom part here, which says, this is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. And here's where we get unusual. This is the kind of love, the unusual love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear the way for our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. My dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. Remember what God has done for you and the grace that he has given to you. God gives us grace that we may pass it on to others. Right now in your mind, you're thinking of that person who you can't stand more than ever, that you've had the biggest conflict. Ask God, focus on something that is true and noble. Find something in them. Hold on to it and let God do a transformation in your life. I'm going to ask that you stand right now.
And I'm just going to pray. We're just going to pray and, and let God, through his Holy Spirit, do something supernatural, a supernatural transformation in our lives. God, we come to you today as broken and messed up people who miss the mark of so many things. And I want to thank you that you call us to be unusual. And so God, help us to take the stones that we have in our, in our hearts and in our minds and in our, in our lives and stop using them as weapons and make them be for us an altar where we can come to you first. And we can see that the grace and the love that you've given to us that we can make a choice to go ahead and extend that to others in those relationships. God, transform us and change us. God, I pray that you'll transform me. That all these things that I, I've shared today that are, that are bad reasons why we don't do the live unusual uh, conflict lives, I'm guilty of. I have poor communication. I get angry because of frustrated expectations. I get disgusted at that people don't get on the same wavelength as me. And I have a deep sin nature because I want it my way. I like it my way. Yeah, I may meet you halfway, but the whole reason to meet you halfway is to get you to see my way. God, help me not to react. But transform me from the inside out that I can be the father that you need me to be, that my kids need me to be, the ones that they're proud of. When they say, wow, I want to model myself after my dad. Not for me and my glory, but just that they can see Jesus in me. Help me be a husband that does things your way, God, that loves my wife as she deserves to be loved. Even with all my faults, she extends grace every day toward me. Help me extend more toward her. God, help me be the pastor that you've called me to be. One that when relationships don't work and conflict ends up, that I don't keep that, down, that stone down in my heart that I can use to throw at some later date. But God, help me to use it to build an altar much like Jacob and Laban did. Help me be that friend. And whatever role I have in my life, help me just to, to just pass on all that you desire, your love. You see, we have conflict, and I even have conflict. Some of us today may have conflict with you. That God, it didn't turn out the way we thought it would be. God, I, I, you said, and you didn't. God, help, help that go. Because guess what? Jesus, if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. Jesus came to settle the battle of conflict between you and God. He paid that price of sin, which separated us from him. And now you can be reunited today if you just go ahead and surrender your life to Jesus. You can come up front. You can do it where you are. You can just say, Jesus, say, I'm a sinner. I'm a mess. And I need a Savior, and you're it. So I'm, I'm going to lay down this life. I'm going to be crucified with Christ. That no longer I live, but you live in me. I want to find out what that means. So God, you just do that work in your Holy Spirit. So here we are, God, surrendering our lives to you and desiring to seek you to restore relationships if you can 
And if that happens, if you do a transformation in someone else's life, I know they're going to be restored. But God, it's not about them being restored. It's about our hearts being transformed. So do that transformation in this place right now. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. The altar is open if you want to pray, but if you want to make an altar of where you are, if you need to put those rocks up right where you are and go ahead and build an altar, do that where you are.
Of the, of the fact that, um, that when, when two or three are gathered, so is the Spirit of God, so is the Lord. And, and we need, instead of just assuming that and being like, okay, God's here, and just saying it as something that just makes us feel good and move on, recognize that anything can happen when the presence of God is there. Um, when we start with God, like I was saying, in the beginning, God, God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning. Okay? And in the beginning, God wants to do a transformation and a creation in your life, in your relationships, in every single avenue. So anything can happen. That relationship that has been dead and gone for 60 years, anything can happen. Anything can happen in his name. Amen? All right, so next week, I was considering actually taking a break from this, but I think it's a perfect, God knows what he's doing. I'm just along for the ride. Next week, we're going to have our last week of the series called Unusual Influence, and I think it's perfect for us celebrating our 10th anniversary. Don't forget to go ahead and fill out that if you want to join us next week. Most of all, have an awesome week in the Lord. Say hi to someone.